So I want to share something with you this morning. This is a metronome. This is actually, go figure, this belongs to Gary, our director of worship, go figure, right? He has a metronome. Actually, this was his grandmother's. This is Mima Vern's metronome, right? Oh, isn't that sweet? So here's how it works. You you wind it up on the side, you pull this thing out, and, you know, it sets a rhythm, right? And, And it's adjustable, right? So that'll put you to sleep, right? That's okay. For your anxiety, we have this. <laughs> that just stresses you out, right? So normally, you know, you're right around in this neighborhood, right? And it sets a beat. It gets a rhythm, right? Because here we are as a church, we're in a series called Rhythm. But of course, it is not about musical rhythm. We are talking about life rhythm. That we should have a rhythm in our life between work, rest, Work, rest, work, rest. And uh, tell you what, last week, Pastor Jared did that sermon on work, right? Was that a great sermon or what? I mean, that was a fantastic sermon. If you didn't hear it, go, okay, you can clap for that. That was, uh, go, go listen to that. That was phenomenal. What I learned is that the French are lazy. I, he actually didn't say that, right? But, but, but okay, so the reality is some of you might lean towards laziness and you're out of rhythm in that direction. But the reality is that for most of us Americans, we're out of rhythm in the other direction. Uh, and we work a little too much. So we're going to be talking about rest. Now, uh, this here is a weight. This is a fishing weight, a two-ounce one. I put a little wire on it. Uh, biblically, the word glory means weight. When you put give glory to something, you put weight on it in your life. In my Fear is that what we do is we put glory on work. We put weight on work. And you have no rhythm. Rhythm that is supposed to be in your life just simply isn't there because we don't have rest. Part of the problem is that we don't take our days off. Up until the pandemic, the average hours worked per week in America was going up and up year by year, decade by decade. It just got worse and worse and worse. Now, that was in the midst of decades of technological advancements. So back in the day, doing washing your clothes, doing your laundry took forever, right? Now we got a machine that does that. So we've got all these advances that free up your time, right? And unfortunately, we just filled it with more work and more busyness. And and so we are sick in this way. And even when you take your days off, because of technology, we have the ability to stay connected. We work from home on our days off. Or even if you're not working, we turn our rest into work. So uh, I'm going to quote a guy named Justin Whitmell early, and he said this, We may take weekends, but our days away from work are often spent furiously trying to accomplish other things. New hobbies, more hangouts, more side hustles. We have a spare day, so we need to get our life together or do all the things around the house we've been meaning to take care of. Stopping and taking a nap would be a sign of weakness or poor stewardship. Sometimes we honestly feel it's immoral to rest. 
See, we, we have turned our rest into work, so work feels like rest, and we are messed up people. That's just days off. What about vacations? One-third of Americans do not take their vacation days. And then when we do take our vacation days, right, parents at Disney, you know what I'm telling you, you have spent so much, you, you are stressed to justify the existence of that vacation, and your favorite ride is the plane ride home, Right? <laughs> And even if you've never been in that, you know, it's like after your vacation, you feel like you need a vacation because of your vacation. Are we messed up people or what? See, and listen, our lack of rest is killing us. Literally, heart disease, weight gain, digestive problems, insomnia, restless leg syndrome, grinding teeth, all this stuff. Your body keeps the score. Your body keeps the score. And listen, you will rest. It's only a question of when. You know what happens when you're in the hospital? You rest. You will rest proactively or you will rest reactively. Rest is coming one way or the other. Unfortunately, we are allowing it to kill us because we glorify, we put weight on a lack of rest. We glorify it. And we brag about it, don't we? Oh, man, I am so busy. This weekend has been really busy. Can I tell you about it? And, we, and then we, we try to one-up each other. Oh, you think you're busy. Let me tell you about my weekend, right? You ever heard anyone try to one-up each other on rest? You ever heard that? Oh, you think you rested this weekend? Let me tell you how I rested. We don't do that because the weight's on the other side. That's how we roll. And there's no rhythm there. We glorify a lack of rest, but know this, God does not. God does not glorify that. He knows it's killing us. He loves us. He wants us to have life and life to the fullest. He wants to teach us rhythm. When I think about teaching somebody rhythm, I think of Mr. Holland's opus, one of my favorite movies ever. We rewatched it last night. I cried again at the end. I cried yesterday at the men's I mean, I've just been crying all day. Yesterday, but uh, great, great movie. If you remember, there's a part of it where there's a student named Lou Russ. Lou, his, his coach feels like his only shot at having a future is as an athlete. And, but he's ineligible, and so he needs more credit. So he goes to his friend, Mr. Holland, who's the music teacher, to say, hey, would you let Lou in the band so that he can get an extra credit and be eligible? Problem is, Lou doesn't play an instrument. That's easy, just... Just have him bang a drum, right? Well, to break all stereotypes, Lou has no rhythm. And so Mr. Holland is going to try to teach him rhythm. Here's part of it. That's a good teacher right there. Now, listen, we're Lou Russ. 
right? We, we just, we are so out of rhythm. We got no, we don't rest and we are Lou Russ. And I think God loves us enough to come along to try to beat it into our head to teach us rhythm. And one of God's primary ways for beating rhythm into our head is something called Sabbath. You learn a lot about Sabbath in Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 8, it says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like we're supposed to have rhythm in our lives. Work, rest, work, rest, work. There's supposed to be a rhythm. And that's what God is telling us. Now, understand this. They lived in an agrarian society. In an agrarian society, like all work was just one pile. It wasn't like you went out to work your job and then you came home to do the dishes and the laundry and fix the garage door. You know, the honeydew list. In an agrarian society, it's just all one pile, right? It was all called work, and you do your work for six days. And then on the seventh day, you would rest. Do no work. Now, the industrial age came along, and it separated out housework, the honeydew list, from job work. But as Pastor Jared said last week, we got the weekend from Henry Ford, right? And at first, it worked out pretty okay. Because you go to your job for five days, and then you'd have two days, a weekend. On one of those days, you would do your honeydew list. And then on the other day, you would rest. But that's not how we roll, is it? We don't do that. What we do is we work for seven days at our job. Or we work for six days at our job, and for one day, we do our housework. Or... Uh, We work for five days at our job, and for two days, we do our housework. We found a way to turn all seven days into work. And what are we forgetting? Rest. Look at the first word, remember. Remember the Sabbath. Why? Because it is good. He blessed it. This is a blessing into our lives. Remember, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt before God brought them out and gave them this command. Now, when you are a slave, you do not control your work. Your work controls you. And a slave is on call 24-7, 365, too bad, so sad. And some of you right now are going, oh my goodness, I think I might be a slave. Right? And God comes along to Israel and he says, listen, I am going to treat you like sons, not slaves. You know what I want you to do? I want you to take a day off a week. If you're a slave and, and your master comes up and says, hey, you're going to take a day off a week. You go, oh my goodness, I think I'm a child, not a slave. Because he loves me. 
You see, this is not a curse. This is a blessing. Now, sadly, they turned it into work. And in their case, they turned it into a list of rules that they had to keep. So how far can you walk on the Sabbath before it's considered work? How heavy of a load can you pick up before it's considered work? And then we still do this today. Are you allowed to play sports on Sunday? We're turning it into rules and to work. And all of a sudden, a blessing becomes a burden. And unfortunately, that's what happened. And so Jesus redeemed it. There was a time when he was walking along with his disciples, Mark chapter 2, verses 23 and following. It says, one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. <gasps> Gasp. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, that means it's not about keeping some random rule or rules in order to keep God happy, where we work really hard to appease him and please him and impress him, and hopefully he likes us. No, 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 no. We are saved by grace through faith alone because of Christ alone. We don't work to earn God's favor. Therefore, we are secure in our relationship with him. Now, God wants you to be a daughter. He wants you to be a son, not a slave. So take a day of rest. That's a blessing. Receive it. That's life. Receive it. Now, I don't believe the Sabbath is a command imperative upon Christians today. You get a little bit of a hint of that in Mark 2, but also Romans 14 verse 5 says this. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. That means there's freedom here. Notice the Bible doesn't say, hey, one person thinks homicide is okay, another not so much. Hey, do whatever you think's right. Bible doesn't say that, right? This one seems to have a little bit of freedom, but here's the thing. It is an unavoidable divine principle for your blessing. It might not be a command, but it is an unavoidable divine principle for your blessing. There's a guy named John Mark Comer who wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Doesn't that just sound good, right? And here's how he put it. He said, you can skip the Sabbath. It's not sin. It's just stupid. You can eat concrete. It's not sin. It's just dumb, right? So yeah, you can skip it, but you probably shouldn't. And I don't want you to be a dumb American. I want you to be a thoughtful disciple of Jesus Christ. What if life is a marathon, but you're sprinting in a marathon? You understand, runner's pace is an issue of rhythm. Okay, what if you're sprinting in a marathon? If you sprint in a marathon, what happens? You gas. You don't finish. You lose. Unless you're Kenyan. And then you win. But, but those, those guys are just like amazing freaks. They're incredible. Like that, that doesn't count, right? But you can't sprint in a marathon. 
Now, we tend to think this is some small side issue about being tired too much. No, 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 no. This is a deeply, deeply spiritual issue. Do you you know where this passage we looked at came from? That's the Ten Commandments. As, As they came out of slavery, God gave them Ten Commandments. The first was, have no other God. I'm your God, that's it. Number two, make no graven image, no idolatry. Number three, do not take the Lord's name in vain. That's not about cussing. That's about taking God's name onto your life and not living it out. That's what that's about. See how spiritual that is? Number four, Sabbath. See the company it keeps? (laughs) Like this is a deeply spiritual issue. Resting is an act of faith. I'll give you three ways that resting is an act of faith. Number one, when I rest, I say, God is God, I am not. There are passages in Hebrews and Colossians that talks about the fact that God holds the universe together by the power of his might. And if God stops doing that for a second, we're screwed. It just all flies apart. It all comes undone. We need God to keep being God. But I'll tell you what, I can take a day off. You know why? Because I'm not God. And, and, and I'll tell you what, if I take a day off, God will be fine. His kingdom will be fine. The church will be fine. My family will be fine. Whatever your job is will be fine. Everything will be fine. Why? Because God is God and you are not And so as you rest, you express that resting is an act of faith that God is God and I am not. Second way, it's an expression of faith. What is life all about? Like what truly satisfies? Who or what is your Lord? Now, we say one thing with our religious lips. We say an entire another thing with our lives. We believe down deep, if you scratch down deep, deep enough, we believe that having more stuff is what truly satisfies. And of course, we never get enough. Enough is never enough. We always need more. So we always need more stuff. And because we need more stuff, we got to work harder. We got to earn more. We got to take care of ourselves. We got to go, 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 go. We need more. And that becomes an idol in our lives. And that's where we end up keeping up with the Joneses. Pastor Jared poked at this last week, right? Uh, would you repeat after me? Screw the Joneses. How many of you in here are last name Jones? I just want you to know we love you. Okay, we're not talking about you. We love you. Okay, right now you just have a very unfortunate last name. Okay, right? Repeat after me. Screw the Joneses. Why are we trying to keep up with the Joneses? That's just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. Here's how that plays out in our lives. Somebody says, I can't take a day off. Well, why not? Well, my job just won't let me. Well, get another job. Well, I can't. Well, why not? Well, I guess I could get another job, but I can't get another job that earns me enough to support my idols of materialism and greed and success in keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, there it is. There it is. So we don't rest. And I want you to hear this very plainly. The reason you don't rest, the reason you can't rest is idolatry. 
Your God wants you to rest. Your idols do not. Your God wants you to rest. Your idols do not. And then the old adage becomes true that you are so busy making a living that you fail to have a life. And your God wants you to have life. He wants you to have rhythm. He wants you to be a child, not a slave. Your God wants you to have a life. Your idols do not. It's a deeply spiritual issue. I told you there are three reasons. Here's the last one. Uh, Identity. It's all about identity. So when you meet somebody new, two questions. What's your name? What's the next question? What do you do? What do you do? What's your job? See the weight? On that side, what is your job? And that becomes my identity. Now listen, I can't possibly afford to take a break from my identity. And if work is my identity, I cannot take a break. But what if? What if my identity is that I am a child of God? That's it. I I, I love him, I know him, I follow him, I hang out with him. Sometimes I serve him vocationally. Sometimes I rest in him and rest with him. So I am a human being made in the image of God. He intentionally made me finite and I need to rest at times. But I know I'm adopted as his child. I'm called to a life of worship. I'm called to serve him and his kingdom. I'm promised eternity. I'm absolutely securely loved by him. Rest in that. Get it? Rest in that. This is a deeply spiritual issue. And and early caught that in another quote. Look at this. He said, the rest our souls need is not simply a nap. It's the rest that comes with realizing we don't have anything to prove anymore. This is what we're doing when we prove our busyness to ourselves and each other. We're trying to show that we matter, that the world wants us, that the world depends on us. And I would, I would add, we're trying to be God. And we're, we're just not. All right, so what's it mean to have, have a Sabbath rest? What's that look like? I'll give you five markers. The first one is this. It means rest. You should have seen that one coming, right? Now, but what I mean is it's literally physical rest. You can't get around that biblically. God is God. I am not. He intentionally created me as a limited human being. I'm not a machine. I need periods of rest. So Sabbath is a day to do no work. That's what it means. And if you try to spiritualize it into something else, you do so apart from the Bible. It is quite literally a day for physical rest. Second thing it means is to savor. To savor. Now, by that I mean it is physical rest, but it is not just physical rest. After all, did you catch the fact that the basis for our Sabbath is the fact that, well, who took the first Sabbath? God did. God took a set. He did six days of creation, and on the seventh day, he rested. Now, what in the world does that mean for an omnipotent God? One who is infinitely powerful. Like, did he do six days of creation and then go, whew, I am so, Adam, Eve, you guys got to just chill, take care of yourself for a day. Papa needs to, needs to rest. Is he winded? He's, he's, listen, how many of you have run a 5K? 
10K. 10 cares? Who's run a half? All right? Who's run a full? How many of you have run an ultra? You're an idiot. Right? <laughs> Don't do that. All right? You're not Kenyan, right? Right? Listen. But when you cross the finish line, you are gassed, right? You should have left it all out there. You're gassed, right? God's never experienced that. When you're infinitely powerful, God could run a million miles. He is no more tired at the millionth mile than he is at mile one. That's just not how he's made. Well, he's not made. That's not how he is, right? So God does not get gassed. So in that case then, what does it mean that on the seventh day God rested? You see that? It's got to mean something fuller than that. It means that he savored. He appreciated. He honored his work. He enjoyed it. On that seventh day, he looked around at what he did on those other six days and he went, well, that is good. That is, that is good. That is good. Read it. It's what, that is good. That is good. He said it is good. And I think on the seventh day, God enjoyed himself. That's Sabbath. John Mark Comer, I'll give you another couple quotes from him. He said this. Sabbath isn't just a day to not work. It's a day to delight in what one Hebrew poet called the work of our hands. To delight in the life you've carved out in partnership with God. To delight in the world around you. And to delight in God himself. Sabbath is a day to pull up a chair, sink into it, Look back over the week of the last six days and just enjoy. I, um, I heard another author, I can't remember which one it was, but, uh, so this isn't original to me, but uh, refer to it as a snow day. Remember snow days, right? Like that was just like this incredible bonus day, all a blank slate, no expectations. You, your only expectation on a, a snow day is that you savor it. And have fun, right? That's Sabbath right there. That that you just felt, that's Sabbath. And God wants you to have that once a week. That's really cool. In fact, Comer caught it in this quote. The Sabbath is a day when God has my rapt attention. It's a day when I'm fully available to my family and friends. The Sabbath is a day with no to-do list. It's a day when I don't accomplish anything and I don't feel guilty. It's a day when my phone is off, my email is closed, and you can't get a hold of me. The Sabbath isn't a day to buy or sell to get more. It's a day to enjoy what I already have. It isn't a day to be sad, because the Sabbath is a day for the celebration of life in God's very good world. Now, my guess is uh, you're having one of two reactions. Some of you might be rationalizing and justifying and fighting it right now. But my guess is some of you are hearing that kind of stuff and slave shackles are falling off. And you're starting to hear a whisper of rhythm for the first time that you were made for. And you're drooling at that going, can that be the life God called me to? That sounds like fun. Yeah, God wants you to savor. Now, a third marker of Sabbath is that you refocus. Do you remember that you reflect, that you reconnect with your Lord? Because what's happened for six days is we've allowed, not only our life has been busy, not only has our schedule been busy, but our hearts 
have been busy for six days. And it's a day to refocus, to remember, Jesus is my Lord. My identity is in him. And so it's a day to respond to the call of Jesus upon your life. Do you know what the call of Jesus is? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And this is a hard posture that we should have really for all seven days. But we tend to have one of two types of people. We tend to be one of two types of people. The first person is always weary even when he's resting. And the second is always resting even when he's working. And you see, your Sabbath is a time to refocus because if we're honest, we get pulled towards the top, but we want to be at the second. And so that seventh day is there for you to refocus and become that second person. So you refocus. The fourth marker is worship. Now, this is probably the one you assumed I was going to say out of the gates. It's the Lord's Day. You got to get a T in there, not a D, right? right? It's the Lord's Day. And so what it becomes is Sabbath is a day that we're supposed to be at church all day long. Time out. Did we just read Exodus 20 together? Did you hear anything in there about religious services? You heard something about rest, right? Now, yes, I think that we as faithful disciples of Jesus ought to gather with the assembled body of Christ in person once a week. Write it down if you need. Absolutely. And for most of us, that will happen on Sunday. But you understand, Sunday might not be your Sabbath. I mean, you all understand, Sunday ain't my Sabbath, right? Wednesday's my Sabbath. Leave me alone, right? Wednesday's my Sabbath. Now, I am concerned about church attendance. There is a trend in our culture, and I mean our culture right here, okay? Uh, studies show that regular church attendance used to mean weekly, actually more than weekly. You go to church several times a week, right? Or mom would beat you, right? So that's why. But now church attendance, a regular church attender became twice a month. Now it's once a month. And so it is slipping and sliding. Do you have to bat a thousand? No. Of course, there are good reasons to miss church. But let's be honest. It's often spiritual laziness, physical laziness, convenience, comfort, and travel sports. (laughs) Now, (laughs) uh, listen, I... uh, There's nothing wrong with sports. You can even play sports on Sunday. Uh, but, But what I want you to do is I want you to make healthy discipleship decisions as a follower of Jesus under his lordship and not just hand it over. Here's why. Travel sports, if you're not careful, becomes another way of keeping up with the Joneses. Check that. Becomes a way of keeping up with the Joneses' children. Right? And so you just got to make discipleship decisions. 
Most of that was really just a sidebar because here's the thing. I really want you to have a fuller sense of the word worship. Because if you, you got to worship on your Sabbath, but if you do it with Jesus, then rest is worship. Savor is worship. Refocus is worship. It's all worship. And that's Sabbath. I'll give you one more marker. Reenact. I always feel like it should be hyphenated. Reenact. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. It says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. This is interesting because they've already, this isn't about like six days you work, one day you don't. No, there remains another Sabbath rest is what's being said. There's a different rest coming toward us. And the point is that Sabbath is not a law to keep. That's working. When you're keeping laws, that's working. That's not rest. The point is that the Sabbath, the work is over. God did it. Jesus hung on a cross and he said what? It is finished. Then he died, he rose from the grave, he sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Why do you sit down? Sit down is what you do when the work's over. Jesus did the work, we do the rest. Meaning we rest in him. And so hear this, when you practice resting, you reenact the gospel. When you rest, you reenact the gospel. And what our hearts want to do is we want to earn, 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 work, 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 try to earn God's favor. And it is impossible and it is exhausting and it is unnecessary because Jesus earned it for us. And when you rest, you reenact the gospel. So here's your five markers. My question is, how's your rhythm? My guess is for a lot of you, it needs, it needs readjusted, right? Right? Now, the challenge I want to give you is this. Could you have one Sabbath a week? Pick a day. My wife goes lunch one day to lunch the next. So it might be a 24-hour period. That's in play. But pick a day and do it for three months and see what happens in your life. Try it for three months. And when you do, I want you to rest and savor and refocus and worship and reenact. And here's the bonus level. Vacation once a year and do that. Do that on a vacation once a year. That's the bonus level. But I want you to have Sabbath. And for now, let me pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you very much that Jesus did for us all the work. We can rest eternally. And we can even reenact that in our lives now and Thank you that you are such a good father. You don't want us as slaves. You want us as sons and daughters. You want us not to just work, work, work. You want us to have a life to savor and enjoy. I praise you right now that you are that kind of God. I admit before you, I do not tend to be that kind of disciple. And I want to ask that you would work in my heart and my brothers and sisters here, that you would beat that into our heads. Because we need it, we want it, that is life. Take us there, Lord, please, I pray in Christ's name, amen.